Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, this is Steve Anglesey, the editor of The New European. We recorded this podcast shortly before Liz Truss confirmed what we all suspected, that she was going to resign as the leader of the Conservative Party and that she wouldn't be Prime Minister for very much longer. And there was much rejoicing. Here's the podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, snowflakes, and welcome back to the New European podcast. My name is Steve Anglesey. I'm the editor of The New European. Who's the Prime Minister as you're listening to this? Who knows? Joining me today in momentous political times from the tofu-eating wokarati, Eleanor Longman-Rood. Hello, Ellie. Hello, Steve. And from the Anti-Growth Coalition, it's Matt Withers. Hello, Matt. Hello there. Coming up on the New European Podcast, comedian Mitch Benn on the last days of Liz Truss and what comes after. And, of course, we will be putting more malignant ministers, bogus backbenchers, poisonous pundits all going into our hall of shame. Before that, if you enjoy what we do at The New European, there really is no better way to support us than by subscribing. To make that decision easier, here's a fantastic offer for podcast listeners. New subscribers can get a year's digital subscription for £1 a week, or you can buy a year's subscription to our print and digital package for £2 a week. For that, you get unlimited digital access, plus our award-winning newspaper is delivered to your door every week for a year. To take advantage of this exclusive offer and join our growing community of avid readers, please subscribe at theneweuropean.co.uk slash podcast. So welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to Ellie and Matt. Matt, has, has anything interesting happened in politics this week? Yeah, it's absolutely ludicrous, hasn't it? I mean, it's, it's such an odd one to record because um, people listening to this will, who knows what will happen between between now and then. It's been a, yesterday, Wednesday was a, a day of complete and utter chaos in Parliament. It was unclear whether there was a chief whip and deputy chief whip at one point or whether the prime minister was staying and if she was going to see the day out. I mean, it seems weeks ago that she was stood up in the uh, prime minister's questions, shouting the Peter Mandelson, I'm a fighter, not a quitter line, but it was 24 hours ago. 
Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, as we're recording this, the only person to have gone is is Krishnan Guru Murthy, who's been suspended for, uh, for for being accurate about Steve Baker. Um, but we're expecting things to happen uh, very imminently. Um, I mean, like Mitch Ben, who's coming up soon, Matt. You're you're a, a stand up comedian. Are you sad to be seeing the end of Liz Truss because she is quite good ammo, isn't she? And who would be the next best Tory uh, to? Prime Minister for comedians. Yeah, it's a really good question and one that I I have been conjuring with. Um, when Boris Johnson was there, it was it was so easy because you you forget sometimes um, that a lot of people just don't follow politics, and if you do topical political comedy like I do, sometimes stuff doesn't land because people don't know who who these characters are. In fact, just this week I, I tried out some new Jeremy Hunt material, um, and and he didn't really land with a lot of people. And afterwards, I was thinking actually, I bet a lot of people in this room don't know who Jeremy Hunt is. Uh, and I was worrying when it looked like Boris Johnson was going to go, because uh, even if people didn't follow politics, they knew that he had funny hair and a fairly chaotic personal life. And I was like, what am I going to do with Rishi Sunak? You know, you can't come onto stage. Go, what about Rishi Sunak, guys? He combs his hair, he tucks his shirt in, and he's got a stable and loving family life. Am I right? <laughs> um, and it's been Liz Truss. I think she's sinking into the psyche now, but that's, it's, it's all a little too late. Um, in terms of who might come next, I think the person who's probably got most comedic potential is Michael Gove. I'm not sure he is going to be the next PM, but he's he's quite funny looking and he's quite clearly going through a, a massive midlife crisis at the moment. So I think a combination of those two things would be quite um, rich material. Well, I mean, we're coming up to Halloween and in the sort of night of the living dead, you know, zombies returning uh, thing. I mean, it might even be Suella Braverman. Um, Ellie, uh, the night that Suella Braverman left office, you actually were having tofu for dinner. Did it? Did it taste especially sweet? I, I it seemed only right, Steve. Um, but no, it was a genuine coincidence. I had some uh, tofu with double O um, from the tofu company in my my fridge. Other tofu brands are available, I'm sure. Um, but you know, never never miss a chance to be a member of the tofu eating wokarati, which is the only title I'd be shall be responding to from now on. Um, did it taste especially sweet? Yeah, I mean, it's quite amusing that you know on that night tofu was trending, and you know that was an achievement from the former Home Secretary. It was quite a strange thing to um to imagine. It reminded me of the days when I was at school. Fun story. And on the food committee, we managed to achieve self-serving potatoes. And this isn't a magic thing, but we actually managed to get them to put the spoon from the side of the kitchen to the side of the pupils um, and potentially still more than what the government is is achieving today. Um, as a musical accompaniment, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but the Marsh family have done like an adaptation of Wellerman to Braverman. And it's nothing short of amazing. It's really quite funny. And I've had it in my head all day. Um but no, it just, it's really quite incredible scenes, as Matt was saying. Um, what made me laugh this morning on the on the news, sort of chiming in the end of the Today programme, where they had, you know, a minister has said, you know, they can confirm that the government is functioning. And that's a pretty low bar when you need a minister to confirm on the nine o'clock, you know, morning news that the government is functioning and not to worry and nobody panic, which kind of, if nothing else, gives the vibe of literally anything else. Um, but yeah, what what an absolutely, as Matt rightly said, ludicrous 24 hours. Well, self-serving potatoes seems to sum up the, the parliamentary conservative party, really. But uh, 
one of them, Charles Walker, he seems to have emerged as a bit of a hero in all of this chaos. Let's let's just have a reminder about what Charles Walker had to say the other night when he was very cross. I'm livid. And, you know, I really shouldn't say this, but I hope all those people that put Liz Truss in number 10, I hope it was worth it. I hope it was worth it for the ministerial red box. I hope it was worth it to sit around the cabinet table because the damage they have done to our party is extraordinary. Um, but it's, I mean, there he is, the voice of reason, Sir Charles Walker. But it's only a few months since Sir Charles Walker was telling people to walk around London holding a pint of milk as a protest against the COVID lockdowns. Is the, do you think that there's anyone sane in the Conservative Party left? Uh, potentially. I do think, I, you know, like you say, everyone's got a short memory in politics. And you never know who's going who's gonna to know what. Um, I do think I agree with you on what Charles Walker was saying that he seemed to get the sentiment quite right. A lot of people were sharing it around on Twitter saying that he absolutely nails it. Um, and it's interesting what they've been saying, you know, in the last, even before coming on this podcast, in the last 10, 15 minutes or so, that whoever, you know, takes over now, when at the time she hasn't gone, but when or if trust does go, it's got to be someone from whether it's, you know, a caretaker PM going into then a, an election, a general election. It's got to be someone completely separate from this, surely, because they were talking to um, a Tim Bale, I believe. And he said, you know, it's all very well, but you've got to fix the problem underneath. You can't just chuck another figurehead on this. And then you need someone essentially, ideally, um, generally quite sane. Um I feel like, you know, and you've got to go a bit far further back to to search for that at the moment. We've had Nadine Dorries calling very vocally this morning for the return of Boris Johnson in the same breath saying, um, you know, how can we possibly, you know, call ourselves a democracy? So that's quite an interesting sentiment. Um, but I think, you know, there's a there's some there. You just got to, you know, go hunting a bit, go trick or treating. It is Halloween next week. Well, watching all of this with a tub of popcorn beside him is our friend uh, and the new European columnist, uh, Mitch Ben. And I caught up with Mitch a little bit earlier. Well, Mitch Ben, where to begin? <laughs> this is not making my job easier. I hope everybody gets that right. That I've got like, you know, a, a two day gap between me filing the stuff that I write for the paper and the paper coming out. And that at the moment is just kind of making a complete nonsense of me trying to do satirical barbs about anything because I have literally no idea what the deal's going to be by the time anybody reads it. You know, it's, 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 it's I, mean, okay, I mean, 48 hours has always been a long time in politics. At the moment, 45 minutes is a long time in politics. Um, it's, it's, this, I mean, I, I don't think we're making this up. There hasn't, has there been a time as, as utterly chaotic as this? I mean, I know there was 2019 with Theresa May and everything, but one still got the impression that she was in charge of a party that hated her, but that she was still at least in charge of it. And it's, it's, uh, anyway, uh, I don't know. I, I yield, I yield to a, a, a political historian's superior knowledge of whether there's been ever been such a time of absolute turmoil as this. The strong and stable days of Theresa May. We're, we're oh, my God. At the moment. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I could do with a bit of chaos with Ed Miliband right now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, you've, you've, you'll have experienced most things in your time as a, a top comedian, a, a, a rare comedian who, who isn't nasty to waiters, I, I, I understand. Um, in your comedy career, though, have you ever had to... I'm intimidated by waiters. They make more money than me. <laughs> Have you ever had to ditch an entire set because it didn't work and then do Jeremy Hunt's set instead? 
Um, well, there's been times when you've, I mean, I try to keep the whole thing in a constant state of evolution. You know, I mean, you, you want to make sure that the stuff that you write is kind of fluid enough to be able to encompass. You have fairly major shifts because what well, I mean, you know, that, that's, that's kind of what we have. But I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously there's some Boris-centric stuff which has had to go, and yeah. I'm not sorry to see it go any more than I was sorry to see him go. Um, and when Boris came in, there was some stuff that had to go and some new stuff that had to come in, you know, and it's, it's the constant, I mean, yeah, I mean, for example, there's some stuff in the show right now, which I wrote at the beginning of the summer about the Tory leadership contest, but it's now it's in the past tense rather than the present tense, you know, I mean, that was relatively simple. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's things, I mean, somebody, I forget who was it, um, Matt Ford, who had an Edinburgh show a couple of years ago called Hastily Rewritten in the Light of Recent Events. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually the title <laughs> well he hadn't seen anything yet had he i mean it's no it, it is nuts it is nuts um did, did you watch pmqs do we think she's nearer the door or further away from the door than she was at eleven forty-five? what do we think, I think she's I, th I think she's i mean i think she's permanently next to the door now isn't she? yeah just waiting for a just waiting for a push. I did like, I mean, I'm sure we've all, I've had days like this. We've all had days like this, but I'm sure that there's been times when you've looked at an audience, thought they look a bit rough and then wanted, just just hope that you could send Penny Morden out instead. That was an incredible <laughs> thing, wasn't it? That I'll admit I have never done. That I'll admit I've just said, taken one look at the audience, thought, screw this and sent on the support act, you know, instead, mainly because I've never had a support act, but also it's just, no, no, I mean, come on, do your damn job. But then, you know, I mean, the thing is, I mean, this is something that people have pointed out is that Liz Trust used to based on, on her approach to Prime Minister on all the stuff that Boris Johnson got away with, yeah. assuming that she's going to get away with it as well. And I guess to an extent that Theresa, because Theresa May used to not turn up for stuff and said Amber Rudd, didn't she? Mm. Um, so I think it, it, it's not entirely unprecedented, this idea that you can, you can take or leave the aspects of the job that you do and don't enjoy. You know, you get to parade about being important. And then when it comes to actually, you know, answer difficult questions, you know, you just hide in the fridge and let the plebs do it for you. And, 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 and she seems to have decided that all this you can get away with, whereas what she doesn't realize is that Boris Johnson got away with all this because he was to a lot of people weirdly charming. Yes. And and that he got away with it with that kind of I mean it was a charm that was utterly lost on a lot of us, but it worked on a lot of people. And that's how he got away with it by being sort of charmingly roguish and sort of all his, you know, or, or, or you know, he, he sort of came with that sort of oh, it's only me, you'll forgive me, you always forgive me, kind of, you know, sheepish grin on his face. And people did, they just forgave him. Whereas she seems to think that that's just what you can do if you're prime minister. No, it's what Boris Johnson could do if he's prime minister. Because he, he, he was just that utterly arrogant. Whereas she just hasn't got the... She just doesn't have that kind of assurance, that kind of swagger, you know. And, and, and you can't get away with it when you've got this kind of slightly half-assed and apologetic look on your face all the time. You don't look like somebody's kind of swaggering and chanting your way through life the way Boris did. You look like somebody's just sort of turned up without having done the reading. Yes. I mean, I, you know? this was something I wanted to go into you with, with you because Jenny McCartney wrote a piece for, for us. Uh, it's, it's, in the, it's in the paper this week. And, and she sort of said, well, one of the problems 
One of the problems for Liz Truss and the problem we have with Liz Truss, I mean, she doesn't really understand Britain, clearly Liz Truss, and we uh-huh. don't really understand who she was. And Boris Johnson is sort of the, you know, the roguish country squire. You know, Tony yeah. Gordon Brown, the sort of the son of the man, the yeah. you know, austerity. Theresa May, sort of the, you know, the, the Tory wife, uh, Audrey Falls yeah. Hamilton type. Um, yeah. and, and Blair and Cameron, the kind of, you know, trendy head teachers, yeah. uh, that, that kind of thing. And, and do we really know who Liz Truss is? I mean, how, how would... If if she'd stayed around, I mean, I'm I'm guessing she's not going to stay around. How, how would you know? What, what would how would comedians and satirists have presented her? Do you think it's difficult? It'd be very difficult. I mean, the thing is, she has, as was once said, I think by well, I forget who said who said it, but it said about David Frost, she's risen without trace. Mm. You know, um, in much the same. But it, it it reminds me actually of the way um, John Major was suddenly propelled. Uh, into the front line in in the aftermath of Mrs. Thatcher because, you know, the, again, the party was so riven that he was the only one with any kind of seniority who hadn't alienated half the parliamentary party mm. yet. Um, so he, he was very much the compromise candidate. Um, but he was sort of similarly hurled into the front row when, when you know, because if you remember, he had like all the three big um, cabinet jobs within about a year. That he was used to like Home Secretary, Foreign Secretary, and Chancellor, and then Prime Minister within about 12 months. And it's certainly in about 1988, nobody had ever heard of him. Yeah. Um, there is a similar kind of thing seems to be going on here, whereby um, she was the only one of the candidates who half the parliamentary half party didn't hate yet. And so that's why, you know, because she hasn't ever really made that big of an impact. She's just not ready for the big leagues. You know, she's, that's the feeling that you get from Liz Trust. It's like she's just not ready for prime time. Um, she might have pulled this off if it had happened in 10 years' time. But she's younger than me. Yeah. You know, she, she's only in her mid-40s. Um, she's, you know, there's been prime ministers 25 years her senior, you know. And, and in, in 10 years' time, she might have had the assurance, she might have had the presence to be able to carry this off. But that's the overwhelming feeling. Yeah, it's somebody who's been rocketed to prime time way before they were ready for it, just because all the other candidates have, you know, made so many enemies within this insanely divided party. And of course, you know, we can't but go back to the savage irony that all this is happening because David Cameron called the referendum to try and unify the Conservative Party. And instead of which, just it meant that the, you know, the schism that was tearing the Conservative Party apart is still tearing the party apart, but now it's tearing the country apart as well. Um, she, she's slightly sitcomish, isn't she? I'm trying to sort of think, you know, the the weird, the awkwardness, the sort of pork markets thing, mm-hmm, the fact yeah. that you know she tries to, she's in control. She she tries to give her the air that she's in control when everything is sort of collapsing around her. There's an element, there's a sort of British Empire thing about her, or or, or, or something like that. There's this, no. If you, sorry, go on. There's no presence. No. There's no presence. That's the thing. And that sounds like a weirdly shallow thing to address. And I guess it is. But unfortunately, we are living in, you know, and it's not an entirely new thing. You know, um, politicians have, it's, it's, you know, it's not only in the age of TV that politicians have risen on pure charisma um, who, you know, were actually devoid of any other positive qualities. That's not a, a, a product of the TV era, but it is, you know, it is essential in the TV era, and she has no presence. I mean, Blair had that slickness. Mm. Brown had gravitas. He was just unbelievably unlucky. 
Cameron had a bit of the slickness, but it always kind of felt like a bit of a Blair impression. Um, even May had a degree of authority, you know. Boris had, as we've said, this, this roguish charm, which, you know, made me want to reverse my car over it, but it worked on an awful lot of people. Was there's just got nothing, there's just no presence there. You know, even, even Sunak would have had that sort of slightly misplaced boyishness mm. that, you know, that used to do him all right at the dispatch box, but Trump has got nothing. And I think part of it is, I don't know, it's, it maybe you know, some people are just like that. Some people just do not have any kind of, and some people, their presence is entirely contingent upon one thing. And when you take it away from them, they lose it altogether. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it is bizarre that she appears fixated on Margaret Thatcher because she couldn't remind you less of mm. Margaret Thatcher. You know, she, 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 she couldn't be less like the only, you know, she's the same skin and hair color. That's it. <laughs> you know, um, she couldn't be less like her as a presence. I mean, yeah, again, I'm... Thatcher, whatever you thought about her, there was a presence, you know. She would have she would have relished the uh, she would have relished what happened on uh, on Monday and she and she would have turned up. And, and yeah, I don't know if you've seen this, but this I mean, this is straight out of Curb Your Enthusiasm or or, or any farce. Uh, so yeah. Liz Truss, this was, I, I saw this in uh, in a newspaper this morning. Liz Truss used to pretend minor members of her family had died to get out of member media appearances. One of her former aides has revealed Kirsty Buchanan, who was special advisor to the Prime Minister when Liz Truss was Justice Secretary, said the fake fatalities included aunts and cousins and things. I mean, it's it's just, just remarkable, isn't it? Well, this is it, but it's ultimately, I think, it's the trouble. What you've got is you've got ambition, but nothing underneath it. And 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 to say she's she's risen because she once again, you know, the Conservatives found themselves in need of a compromise candidate because you know the, the charismatic figurehead, you know, like there was charisma there. It worked on a lot of people. The charismatic figurehead had been defenestrated because of selling it to complete bloody liability, and most of the obvious candidates to replace her had at some point alienated at least half the party. Except yes. her, because she's just not really done anything. I mean, yes. there's comic possibility in the anti-growth alliance. I think that was a, that was a, that was. I've I, already that seen was my first anti- material. I've seen my first anti-growth alliance T-shirt. Somebody right. turned up in one of my Cardiff gig. Uh, anti-growth coalition. Somebody. Uh, yes, uh, so people are already making anti-growth coalition T-shirts. Um, which is hilarious. But I mean, yeah, well, I mean, I wrote the piece about that, didn't I? This, it's yeah. just, I don't think this is landing as the boo line the way you think it is. And I think the trouble is just by saying the words growth six or seven times in a sentence, you don't establish that in the mind of the listeners, the universe of good that you evidently seem to believe it is. Um, but it's, oh, I don't know. I don't I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, here's the thing. What are they going to do for the next two years? Because they could stay in for the, you know, they don't have to leave mm. until Christmas 2024, you know? Um, that, you know, they don't have to leave until December 2024. So it's two and a half years almost, you know? Um, certainly from when Boris and was resigning, it was two and a half years. Um, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to um, just spend two years watching the country death spiral? Because they can't address the issues that are causing this because in order to do so they have to admit that everything they've done for the past five years has been entirely selfish stupid and wrong you know and, and this is why the only thing which is going to fix this is, is to get them out because only people who 
feel entitled to reverse everything they've done could actually have any kind of positive impact right now. The Tory party cannot save us right now because in order to do so, it essentially has to stop being the Tory party. Um, what are they going to do? They're going to offer this country despot for two years. Do they think, you know, do they think they can still win? Do they think that something could happen in the next two years and turn around? And here's the thing, that's always a danger because one thing the Conservatives are sickeningly good at is rebranding themselves and passing themselves off as a new party. You know, we've seen them do that a few times in our lifetime. If, if, despite the fact that they've been, you know, Major kind of did that to a degree at the 90s. And Boris absolutely did it in 2019. You, you know, you have a change of leader, you have a sort of a bit of rebranding at the top, and they can almost then run in opposition to themselves. Yes. Um, and, 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 and pass this off as a whole new government rather than just the same guys in who've been running the country on the ground for decades. So I wouldn't entirely put that past them. It's going to be so much harder than it's ever been, but I wouldn't entirely put that past them. And, and one of the things I think we're seeing with these 30-something point Labour leads, I don't think that is a tribal shift of people who are Tory supporters are now Labour supporters, big L, big S. I think what that is, Tory supporters who want to put them out of their misery. Hmm. Yeah. But they're still Tory supporters. They just want to put this lot out of their misery. So I think if an alternative to put them out of their misery presents itself, you know, people are talking about, I mean, let's face it, you know, it's it haunts in charge right now. And, and it feels really misogynist to say that, but I think that's the case. I don't think she's running the show anymore. I think, you know, she's basically going to do what Jeremy Hunt tells her from now on. Yeah. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't, you say, you know, that feels like a rather sexist assumption, but I don't think I'm just making that up. I think that's probably the case. Uh, and then there's talk about, you know, um, some sort of quiet defenestration of trust, just slide Hunt across at the number 10 and maybe bring Sunak back at the number 11. If they were to do that, that might be enough for them to rebrand themselves and say, you know, oh, thank God all that's over. Now vote for us. We're a whole new Tory government. And at that point, I think that's when you see the Labour Party's 30-point lead disappear. Maybe not the lead disappear, but that's because I think some of those 30 points are not people who are now won over to the Labour cause and will be Labour supporters. Those are Tory voters who want to put this lot out of their misery. And if they have the choice of not putting this like out there, Mizzy, I think they'll swing back to the Tory side. You know, that's what I'm worried about. But the other possibility, if, you know, if either they think, you know, if they think that there's no way for winning the next election, they should just basically call the election right now. The fact that they're not doing that to me suggests that they think there's something they can pull out in two years. And the worrying thing is the only thing they could really go with for the next two years is culture wars, you know, as which is, you know, why we don't have Rishi Sunak as prime minister right now. Let's be brutally honest about that, is because the Tory party membership was never going to vote for a brown guy. I'm sorry, they weren't. And so what you've got is you've got these minority ethnic people, elevated power in this party, desperately trying to curry favour with a party that is never going to love them. I think they see the, the way that the, you know, the Republican Party manages to maintain this massive support base, despite, again, having been proved wrong about everything time in, time out, is that you get your party base worked up about stuff that just isn't real. Because you can never really be substantially challenged on it because it isn't real. Yeah. Um, you know how do you, you know how do you how do you lose the argument about what color the Loch Ness monster is? You know, it's it's it's, it's difficult. So I've been worried about that. You know, the, the the two things that could save them. One is you know their 
sleazy rebranding exercise, which they could well pull off. And the other one is just go hard after the cultural thing. And you can, you know, one hopes that that wouldn't work, but you can never be sure of that. No. Pe people like being given an excuse to be hateful and, and nasty and tiny minded. Well, very, a lot of people true. do. They like the excuse. They're like, you know, that's why, you know, one of the reasons Boris Johnson never, never suffered despite, you know, all his various moral depredations being exposed. Same with Donald Trump. It's not that his fans don't know that he's an arsehole. They know he's an arsehole and they love that he's an arsehole because while the prime minister's an arsehole, it means it's okay to be an arsehole. Yeah, he tells it like it is. Well, it's meaning, you know, if he's, if, if he's a selfish, gluttonous, womanizing jerk, then obviously it's okay to be a selfish, gluttonous, womanizing jerk. Same with Trump. You know, yeah. it, you know, he was president asshole. So, hey, it's president asshole. So, you know, you know, being an asshole is the good and American way to be. You know, and, and that's because, you know, there's, let's face it, there's a lot of people who would really like to be jerks with impunity. And if they yeah. see, you know, somebody being a jerk with impunity, it means that it's okay to be a jerk, you know, and it's as simple as that, really. And so I worry about, you know, that that's why the culture war stuff can land, even though it's, it's all made up. It's not happening. You know, it's anyway. <laughs> what do you think they've done with Quasi Quarting? Where, where is uh, Quasi Quarteng now, and what are his career opportunities? He's probably laughing all the way to his portfolio, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> I don't maybe know. exactly. He does laugh at funerals, so maybe. Yeah, he's yeah. yeah. I wonder if he found his own demise process of music as he found the Queen's. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Chris Minode's got a job for him if he needs it. You know, I mean, yes. it's the least he can do for him after all that, after you know, the favors he did him during his brief time in office. Um, I'm sure you know. There's there's a there's a a very high-paid job waiting for him somewhere. Um, quid pro quo, old boy. So um, let's let's assume then. Let's assume be, before I let you go that that, that Truss <laughs> is toast, and I'm sure and I'm sure she is toast by now. I mean, <laughs> let, let's. I mean, tell me who you think the next prime minister is. I, I, I'm guessing it is Ben Wallace. It is Jeremy Hunt. It is Rishi Sunak. It's Penny Morden. It's could it even be Boris Johnson? It depends. What they're going to need to do is do what they did after it, Duncan Smith, when they basically crowned Michael Howard, and that's um, presented to the membership as a fait accompli. They can't give it to the membership again because the membership are a bunch of daft old racists. Um, the membership are the 160,000 stupidest and meanest people in the country, uh, and the absolute last people who should be put in charge of anything. Um, so they will find a way of sidelining the membership. I have absolutely no doubt. Whoever picks the next Tory Prime Minister, it will not be the membership of the Conservative Party. They will find a way of neutralising them. Uh, and they'll do because you remember when when after Ian Duncan Smith was such a disaster, yes. they basically gave it to Michael Howard. They did. Yeah, and they found a way of I forget how they did that. They managed to present the membership with the sole candidate, which they now had to vote on or not, like something out of North Korea. Um but they will do that again. The, the, the membership will not be consulted this time. They will find a way around it. I think, I wouldn't have thought, I mean, Ben Wallace, I wouldn't have thought it was Ben Wallace. I get the impression that he's regarded as a bit politically suspect by mm. this lot. See, here's, here's the question. Here's the question. Um, has Tufton Street been discredited or is Tufton Street still calling the shots? One would like to think that some of Tufton Street's power and credibility has been taken away, that in that, Truss and Quarteng 
enacted everything Tufton Street suggested and drove the economy into a cliff yes. in 24 hours. So one would hope that the party was now turning Tufton Street to SDFU. Um, but again, one can never be sure because we're dealing with magical thinking. Um, and the thing about magical thinking is, you know, it's, it's the same with communism. When communism inevitably turns into a jackbooted police state, it's because you weren't communist enough. You know, the North, yeah, thing with exactly. North Korea is that it's not communist enough. That's why, you know, and the trouble with the reason the Soviet Union degenerated into a, uh, into a jackbooted police state is because they were doing communism incorrectly. And so, I, you know, the, the, the real glassy-eyed free market Puritans, free market fundamentalists, they won't, have, they won't have learned a thing for the past few weeks because fundamentalists don't learn. They can't learn. You know, their brains are incapable of learning. They already know everything they will ever need to know and they cannot absorb new information specifically not new information which contradicts you know the cosmic truth to which they are already um privy um so yeah it just remains so tufton street won't have learned anything from this the only question is will the conservative party have learned to start ignoring tufton street in which case i don't know you might get somebody like ben wallace in I think it's more likely they will find some way of sliding Jeremy Hunt one door down. Yeah. Uh, Him, I think. Yeah. And, and, and that could be, it, it's not going to be Boris again. It's not going to be Boris again because I don't think the parliamentary party will work with him because no. he's just, because he's, he's a liability. He's a total, li he's a debauched clown. You know, um, and, and, and a walking security breach. And, you know, um, I, I don't believe the parliamentary party would want to work with him again, just because of the, the, the levels of humiliation he heaped upon them during the three years he was in. Yeah. That's you right. know, um, it's it just, just the level of embarrassment he personally inflicted upon them in constantly being sent out to make excuses for the most grotesque, um, you know, misdeeds. And you know, sins of commission and omission, you know. Um, I don't believe the parliamentary party. The parliamentary party are going to stitch this up between them one way or another. It's not going to go to the membership. If it went to the membership, it might actually be Boris. I doubt it, but it might actually be Boris if it went to the membership. They will not put it to the membership. They will find some way around it because putting it to the membership is why they've got Liz Trust now. Because the membership yeah. are a bunch of daft old racists and they wouldn't vote for the highly qualified brown per person and voted for the white woman they'd literally never heard of because she was white. It's funny, isn't it? Because uh, because they know, don't they? The, 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 yeah. the, the ERG know that, that the membership will vote for, because the, the membership is so Brexity, that they yeah. will vote for somebody like that. And so, so, there's, so for people like Steve Baker, Marc Francois, Jacob Rees-Mogg even, there's an element of, well, why should we? Why should we, you know, stitch it up and, and, and have somebody like Rishi Sunak in there? Um, anyway, we'll wait and see as well, they, I mean, that as they be, uh, fight like well, rats in a sack, which is... is well, that would be, be lovely. I mean, yeah, rats in a sack would be great. And be perfectly honest, were it not for the fact that the country's on fire and or up to knees on our own crap, I would be perfectly happy to spend the, to spend the next two years watching them fight like rats in a sack. You know, um, you know, but I'm not sure that my sense of Schadenfreude is that highly attuned. I'm not sure that's that's, that's going to be enough to make me ignore, you know, the two years of depression that we're about to get. 
and two years of collapse of public services that we're about to get, and the two years of people freezing to death in their own homes that we're about to get. Um, they really should put themselves out of their misery. They really mm. should acknowledge that, the, you know, that the mess they've got themselves into is not easily fixed and they're incapable of fixing it. And they should, they should call an election and spend four years in the comfort of opposition heckling Labour as they fail to put clean up their mess quickly enough. Yes. You know? Will, will they do that? Probably not. <laughs> Let's leave these it are there. Not, these are not people who willingly relinquish power. No, of course you not. Know? Good talking to you as always, Mitch Ben. Yeah, not as funny as it usually was, was it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt Withers, Mitch Ben is right, isn't he? There isn't really going to be a general election, even though there should be. No, there isn't, because the only way to have one would be for the, the, the government to have a vote of no confidence in itself. Um, Conservative MPs are not going to vote for an election because they'll have seen the recent polling, which suggests an awful lot of them are going to lose their seats and therefore their jobs. And um, MPs do find it quite difficult to find um, post-parliament employment. So um, it would be idiotic of them to do so. So what we're going to see is this government under who knows which prime minister kind of stumbling on for the next two years. And it's all going to be quite unedifying. What do you think a good Tory election slogan would be for the next general election? Please elect some of us. I was thinking about this because it's very difficult to know what on earth they're going to pitch next time, next time around. But I, I looked at a couple of things that Conservative MPs themselves have said in the, the past 24 hours, which could be the next Conservative election. So Steve Baker, who was sent out to defend the government on the, the media round, said it is what it is, which um, <laughs> which might be a good one. But I, I think probably the best slogan would be from the Deputy Chief Whip, or, or may not be by the time you listen to this, Craig Whitaker, who was reported to say, I am effing furious and I don't give an F anymore. And I think they could put that on their posters and buses next time round. Yes, the old network thing. I'm mad as hell uh, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Is is? I mean, it, it just extraordinary. Uh, Ellie, Mitch Ben says it was sort of lack of personality that, that really doomed Liz Truss. Do you think that's right or was it something else? Before before I go into that, I have to say it is what it is would be a campaign slogan I could actually get behind. I think I vote for that, um, which probably says more about me than the slogan. Um, but no, I think Mitch is is right because all of the the policies that she stood for and essentially ran on are now you know gone or have been U turned reversed. Um, it's as Starmer was saying in PMQs yesterday, which he you know basically said you know this has gone, that's gone. Someone put that um, put shut down as a musical backing to that. And it's, you know, it's really quite good if anyone wants to go and look that up afterwards. Um, when she threw her hat in the ring for, I don't know, time seems like such a foreign concept now, but whenever it was months ago, um, I remember laughing it off when it came up on my phone. I was laughing it off and saying, oh no, well, she can't, you know, string two words together. There's no way, you know, as we've seen time and time again, even since winning, winning leadership, um, you know, the local radio calamity and literally any time PMQs was slightly questionable yesterday. And then, of course, before that, we've had a, you know, she was known for the cheese injustice in the pork markets and her trips to Beijing. And this is a uh, disgrace and her amusement at apples that fell on Sir Isaac Newton's head and then her very weird and elongated smile that came after it. But then anyway, as the race went on, it gave me almost the feeling of watching Trump slowly get elected in 2016 when he you know, past, past barrier after barrier and whatnot. And I was like, oh, no, surely not. 
no okay wait no no stop now like someone stop the ride I want to get off um weirdly I saw someone sort of compare this to the likes of Theresa May when May went or came in and then went and sort of the shoes that May had to step into but I don't think it's the same at all um and I have to admit I had far more empathy for May when she took office and then promptly left to compared to to what's been unraveling this week and today um so I do I agree with Mitch I think to be honest trust was doomed to fail and it was almost just a, a matter of how long it would take for that to become a reality what do we all think would be a good next job for 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 Liz Truss? I was thinking about this, and I mean, obviously, you can make jokes about like a pub paid public speaker or whatnot. But weirdly, what I think she'd be quite good at outside of the realm of politics, you know, when you go to a restaurant or a pub, and there's those like quite strangely like enthusiastic front of houses who won't really leave you alone, don't seem to know what's going on. They always fall out with the chefs and the wait staff, and you know, there's probably a you know, um, photograph of them on a dartboard somewhere around the back. I feel like she could be like quite, she gives me that impression of like a manager or a front of house who's sort of floating around between tables, hasn't actually taken an order or passed on an order or anything like that. She's probably actually in the wrong pub. She's supposed to be the one on the street over. Um, but I feel like that could, you know, we could maybe see her doing that. Matt Withers, what do, what do you think would, would be uh, Liz Truss's, an ideal I, next I, job for Liz Truss? I, I look at Truss and, and I see a kind of, regional manager for say Britain's seventh biggest shoe shop chain I think mm. she, I think she's about that level she could be like the East Anglia manager for a, a chain of, of shoe, a regional manager for a chain of shoe shops I think she'd probably just about be okay at that that's probably a level yeah she, I mean she's got a there's there's a you know, I mentioned the British Empire before, and she has got an air of a, a sort of, a, you know, leisure centre manager, uh, less self-aware foil for Alan Partridge. These are the kind of things that come to mind, aren't they? You know, deputy uh, headmistress of a, of a failing infant school. Um, it, it, it's just absolutely remarkable. And, and the thing that I can't, the thing that I can't get out of my head is is how Liz Truss imagined she would be any good at this job in the first place uh there you go um now it's uh, finally it's time for the hall of shame uh Liz Truss, i think permanently residing in the hall of shame uh it's the place where we put malignant ministers bogus backbenchers poisonous pundits other things that just annoy us generally um Anne Widdicombe is always in the in the hall of shame even Anne Widdicombe this week has, has said that, that the Conservative Party are in complete disgrace uh, she did write in a terrible column in the terrible Daily Express uh she wrote this uh President Macron must be one of the uh, stupidest politicians on earth uh, and in that case maybe uh President Macron will be the next leader of the Conservative Party um Ellie who are you putting in the hall of shame this week yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, first up for me in the Hall of Shame this week is Nadine Dorries. So just a few hours ago, she called for the return of Boris Johnson. In fact, she actually said that MPs must demand the return of Boris Johnson, while then in sort of the same breath saying how it's inconceivable that we actually call ourselves a democracy, which is um, interesting. But there's also a few other reasons why she's in there this week. Uh, a new poll was published uh, of Conservative Party members showing that if there was a repeat of the contest today, members would vote for Rishi Sunak over Truss uh, by a margin of 60% to 40%. And more than half of Tory members think that the PM is doing a bad job. It's important to note that that was on Monday, so I imagine the numbers are slightly different now. 
Um, but nonetheless, Detective Dorries smelled a rat and said that this pole is a joke and smells very fishy. Uh, to which Angela Richardson, MP for Guildford, retweeted saying, let it go, Nadine, just enough. Uh, and from detective to profit, it's also worth mentioning that in her piece in the Sunday Express this week, uh, she offered a warning. She writes how the same group that ousted Boris are now trying to oust trust and we mustn't listen to them ever again. And I never actually thought I'd find myself considering some of Nadine Dory's advice. Uh, and then joining her this week is Pretty Patel. So while the government this week and in the last 24 hours has been very publicly sort of imploding, Patel posted a rather obscure picture to her Instagram on Monday morning. The latest image on her newsfeed showed a very tranquil coastal scene with a lovely red sky, decked out with the Hallmark movie style saying that sort of belongs on a mum's Facebook group. And it read, a meaningful life is not being rich, being popular, being highly educated or being perfect. It's about being real, being humble, and being able to share ourselves and touch the lives of others. Underneath, <laughs> I know, it's incredible. Underneath, she then simply wrote the caption, good morning. If you have a spare few minutes and are so inclined, I recommend going then reading through the comments underneath, which range from, I just whispered this to my gas meter and nothing happened, to, I'm sure you... I'm sure those people you sent to Rwanda felt very touched. And then there's also the simple morning, hun. Welcome to the Facebook mum era with a kiss. Superb. Uh, Matt Withers, can you beat that? Who's in the hall of shame for you? Well, I'd like to uh, put in or, or put in again, because I think I've, uh, I've introduced him uh, previously, Jake Berry, the Conservative Party chairman and very much the comical alley of the Trust administration. Uh, he's also written a terrible column in the Terrible Daily Express. Um, going back to what uh, Ellie was saying about how Liz Truss and her government have completely U-turned on absolutely everything that they held dear, it was headlined without any irony, Keir Starmer has as much political direction as a paper bag in a gale. He accuses Starmer of continuing to throw spending pledges around like confetti with no means of paying for them. This was all on the same day as Liz Truss was acceding to every spending demand for her own backbenchers at uh, PMQs. He has all the conviction of Vicky Pollard in the week that Liz Truss ripped off the government's entire economic position. And he accused Starmer of endless politics playing uh, at a time that the Conservative Party is descending into the ultimate bout of narcissistic navel-gazing. So it's back into the Hall of Shame for Jake Barry. Uh, but I'm also putting in James Grundy. Uh, you won't have heard of him. Uh, he is the Conservative MP for Lee. He's a pretty uh, obscure backbencher with a tiny Wikipedia entry. But he got a question in at PMQs this week and, and, and a pretty good slot. He was straight after Keir Starmer and before Ian Blackford, which is the absolute sweet spot for a, a backbencher because you know that people are still watching then. Um, every journalist, political journalist in, in, in Westminster is going to be paying attention. So what what issue did he choose to bring to, to, to their attention? He asked the prime minister. Will my right honourable friend congratulate Lee Centurion's rugby league team on their recent promotion to the Super League, bringing millions to the local economy? And Liz Truss said, I join my honourable friend in congratulating Lee Centurions on their return to the Super League. A complete waste of everybody's time and attention. Marvellous. Uh, and my selection for the Hall of Shame, as uh, as we wait to see uh, just how this particular psychodrama will end, is Lord David Frost. Uh, he, of course, the man who thought the Brexit deal uh, he negotiated was brilliant and oven ready until he read it. And then he decided it was the worst deal ever and had to be scrapped. 
Uh, and David Frost's been on a similar journey uh, with Liz Truss. Here's what he wrote about her on July the 14th. I'm backing Liz Truss to lead the talented team that will deliver for Britain. Uh, on September the 23rd, this is what he said about Liz Truss and Quasi Quarteng's uh, mini budget. What an excellent statement, all delivered with intellectual confidence. Here's what he wrote on September the 29th. Liz Truss has offered sound economics, rightly challenging the declinist consensus. October the 5th. Don't give up on Liz Truss yet. She can rebound. The PM has to keep making her case. Uh, and here's what he wrote today. Liz Truss has to go. And soon, if the Tory party is to have any chance of recovering. Uh, and so, in short, uh, Liz Truss has been a terrible prime minister. Lord David Frost is an idiot. And he might just be stupid enough to be the next leader of the Conservative Party. Now, that was the New European Podcast with Eleanor Longman Rood, Matt Withers and me, Steve Anglesey. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to our producer, John Dakin. A reminder of our special offer for new subscribers. If you go to the neweuropean.co.uk slash TNE podcast, you can join us for the great price of just a pound a week for digital or two pounds a week for print and digital. That's the neweuropean.co.uk slash TNE podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode of this podcast, please subscribe and leave us lovely reviews and nice ratings wherever you can. On social media, join our Facebook readers group or follow us on Twitter at The New European. Until the next time we meet, it's goodbye from Eleanor Longman Rood. Goodbye, Steve. And goodbye from Matt Withers. Bye-bye. And from me, so long Liz Truss and so long Snowflakes. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.